Once upon a time, there was a woman, the most beautiful and amazing woman in all the world. No! You just touched her. Watch. No, please don't do that. They're only children. Well, welcome back, everybody, to Take Me to Your Reader, discussing adapted science fiction at its best and worst. I'm Seth. I'm James. And I'm Colin. And this time, because of the situation in the world and the pandemic and everything, um, we thought we'd bring you a hopeful, uplifting story about another <laughs> pandemic and, you know, the end of the world and that sort of stuff. <laughs> um, also, because just it's available on Netflix, and so we could use the Netflix Party app to have a virtual co-watch, as we call it, or actually, usually, as we call it, a cow-atch. Cow-atch. It's not the end of the world, just humanity as you know it. Right. Yes. <laughs> evolved. And so what we're going to be talking about is <laughs> The Girl with All the Gifts, which is a 2016 movie and a 2014 book, which are both adapted from a Mike Carey, by Mike Carey, of one of his stories called Iphigenia, what's it called? Iphigenia in Aulis. Aulis. Yes. Yes. He wrote the short story and then he adapted both the book and the movie from it. Yes. And so that is what we're going to be talking about today. But before we get started today, I do want to say just really briefly at the top here, since we haven't, we haven't, uh, you know, been recording since some of the upheaval that's happened in our nation. And so I just wanted to say at the top here, Black Lives Matter. Um, there isn't all that much to add to it. Um, other than to say, if you're one of those people who feels like you need to correct me and say that all lives matter at this point, there's enough information out there that I feel like if you don't already know that you shouldn't be saying that you're trying to not understand. So stop doing that. Educate yourself, figure it out. You know, we're all in this together. Let's all at least get on the same page. Anything else to add? Well, yeah, we, we could drop a couple of significant links to help people understand why Black Lives Matter is more important to say than All Lives Matter right now. Yes. There was a pretty good XCD comic for that. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, that that <laughs> sounds like my kind of link. I can dig it up for you. <laughs> okay. <laughs> sounds good. Anyhow, that being said, because I, you know, I didn't want to sit here and like, we don't say anything and sometimes silence is taken as agreement and you never know whose side thinks you're agreeing with them. And I just wanted that on the record. Okay. Anywho, so we're going to be talking about Iphigenia in Aulis. Aulis. I don't know how it's pronounced. It's Greek. It's Greek. So let's talk about our experience with this material. That's one thing we usually do. Um, James, I think yours is the shortest. Heh. Right. That's not what she said. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think the first time I actually heard the title was just from browsing Netflix. Uh, so I've, I was aware that it existed. Uh, and then I think a while ago, Colin actually told me that was a pretty good book. And no, he didn't. No, he didn't. I thought you did. It's good Seth sci-fi or something like that. Maybe it was Seth. Oh, it's yeah. good sci-fi. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. So good sci-fi isn't necessarily a good book. <laughs> oh no. Oh, there's plenty of bad books with really good sci-fi. Yeah. Good point. Yeah. Good point. Okay. All right. Fair enough. Anyway, so I think it it had actually been on our list and docket for a while right yeah i'd be on there and then like you said of course we just did it because it's on netflix available for the netflix party and right no yeah. holes in the library ebooks <laughs> right well so this is one of the it's one of the ones that has come up as adapted since we started recording the podcast oh, so i remember right. it coming i think it came to like century 16 like in limited release really i think yeah that's cool actually um funny side story to the hold thing um, mm -hmm. you had, I remember when 
the day that I got got it from the library, I checked it out um, because actually when I went to go look for it, there was no holds on it. So I just grabbed it right then before it was going to be holds on it. Mm-hmm. And right as I checked it out, you texted me that your hold had come through for it. Mm-hmm. And I was super confused. <laughs> right. I'm like, how is this available if you have a hold on it? <laughs> and then like three weeks later, you told me that – maybe two weeks later, I guess. You're, you told me you had the, you got the audiobook version. And I'm like, yes. oh, okay. That makes more sense now. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Colin, what about you? History with the material. Well, I think this was a running book. I think we were talking about you know upcoming science fiction. It was supposed to be very – it was a really popular book. Mm-hmm. Uh, the short story it was based off of had been nominated for an award, and people were looking forward to it. And mm-hmm. uh, Mike Carey is a pretty well-known author in other genres, granted, right. but still. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, I remember reading it and being just, like, shocked. Yeah, I can't remember really how I came across it. I remember seeing it on the shelf at the library and thinking that it was going to be sort of typical young adult fluff. And... Mm-hmm. um and started reading it, read, read like the first two chapters. Cause that's usually what I do. I'm, I'm like, I'll pick up a book and I give it, I, I give it the thumb through, right? Well, I'll give it a couple chapters and see if it's going to pull me in. And it was such a good hook after those first two chapters. I just, that I read the whole thing really quick. And then, you know, yeah, we knew about it for the podcast and I saw it come out on video on, um, not on demand, but on uh, Amazon prime video. Mm-hmm. And so, so I actually watched it at some point cause I, we weren't going to get to it soon. So I thought, oh, I'll just watch the movie and see see what happens. So, And then it moved to Netflix. So that was fortuitous, actually. Timely. Fortuitous is one of those words people use wrongly. Fortuitous just means at the whims of fortune. It doesn't mean good or bad. So fortunate. Yeah. Uh, but had any of us read the story? The short story? Yeah. No. Okay. And, you know, I did not know until we started, until you started looking into this, because we had kind of tentatively chosen it as our topic. And you're like, right. The movie isn't actually adapted from the book. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, crap. <laughs> what do we do? Um, because this isn't the first time that kind of thing has happened. Um, I mean, we, we kind of knew it, right? That uh, 2001 A Space Odyssey, the book and the movie were co-developed from some earlier materials. Mm-hmm. Right. But uh, yeah, then it was just a question of, does this story exist in the wild and can we get hold of it? <laughs> and didn't you end up buying a copy and then we all borrowed a Kindle to read? Yes. Yep. Yes. So I will, I will give a shout out here to our patrons because you bought us the book uh, that was, let's see, it was stories of hope and wonder, uh, which was yeah. actually for a really good cause. It was only like $8, but it was to support uh, NIH workers in the UK. Oh, cool. um, because originally the story was just in a collection of Mike Carey's short fiction, but this was an actual 2020 uh, book that was sold for charity. And so it was cool to get to contribute to that kind of thing and get some reading material out of it. I had thought that the original short story collection was edited by Charlene Harris and somebody else. They did it every year with another topic. And the collection was called uh, An Apple for Creature. An Apple for the Creature. Yeah, I think you're right. I, w- I was confusing that with the uh, collected stories of Mike Carey. It's available in a couple of places, I guess. That's <laughs> that's uh, how it comes out. But if you want to buy it and you want to support charity, um, and in particular, workers for the National Health Services in the UK, then do that. There you go. Yeah. yeah. I can't remember. Is NIH or NHS? It's NIH, right? NIH. Uh, no, NHS. Yeah. NHS, yeah. Health Services. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. What's NIH? NIH is here, NIH. National Institutes of Health. Okay. Yeah, not <laughs> NIH. <laughs> Correct previous statement by Seth. Uh, the magic of editing is not going to help with that. 
<laughs> oh dear. <laughs> because we corrected it real time. This is real time editing, folks. So I, I guess here's here's a question. Um, like when I read it, right, those first two chapters were terrific. I had no idea what the book was about. I didn't read the inside flap. Mm-hmm. I had, I didn't know anything about it. And so then when Sergeant comes in there and spits on his arm and he tempts the kid in the front row, uh, and he starts snapping at him. I was like, oh, that's cool. Um, did either of you have that experience or did you know going in that it was a zombie kind of thing? Yeah, I guess I did know going in that it was a zombie kind of thing, but I still thought it was cool. <laughs> <laughs> I I like the, yeah. the chatter, the way they described the chattering and did the chattering and the, both the book and the movie. I thought it was cool. <laughs> I think I picked up through like, you know, social media that it was about zombies. Okay. Well, so I got the full non, non-spoiler yeah. experience that you no did. one listening to this podcast will get. <laughs> but I, I think people who've listened to us for long enough know we don't really give spoiler warnings. We just assume that you're going to read and yep, pretty much and watch. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So short story. What do we have to say about it from 2012? Well, no, now I have a question though for you. Mm-hmm. Seth. Did you read the short story first or the, the story story book? I guess. Yeah, there you go. I read the book. I had no idea that, that the book was adapted from a story. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't know about the co-development thing until Colin advised us about it. Right. Colin is the research wing of the Pavement Pounders podcast. <laughs> well, I may have had ulterior motives. You know, reading this particular story in the middle of a pandemic, and you know, <laughs> international protests about racism. This is. If you struggle with depression or you need some, you read something uplifting. This is not not the book, the movie for you. That is true. Find, find yeah. something else. So, in your research to kibosh this whole thing, you actually reinforced it and sent us on our way. <laughs> well, I was I was honestly looking for every reason I could to shut it down. And so, reason number one was actually, yeah, the the book is not the original source material. Right. Right. Huh. Um, the the way that came about was. Uh, Mr. Carey had written the short story and apparently he knew when he finished the story for the collection that he really wasn't done with it. And it kind of kicked around in his head for a little while. And then he wrote the book at the same time he co-developed the screenplay. And because books are easier to make than movies, the book came out first. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, the screenplay probably had some evolution beyond that point as they made things more or less affordable or palatable or they went, Ooh, cool. Yeah. Let's do this. Yeah. Right. Definitely. Well, I, I'm sorry we made you do this, Colin. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, but then, then we get to my second layer of, of complaints. The, the book and the short story very clearly describe the teacher figure as being black, African-American. Yes. And yeah. our, our heroine is this extremely pale little blonde-haired girl with blue eyes. Even and though her name movie. means the right black girl, right? Even yeah. though her name, yeah. Although I yeah. think that's more of a description of her, her status, not her being. Mm. Right, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. In the movie, they swapped that. They made the little girl black, and they made mm-hmm. the teacher this this white teacher. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we're in the middle of all these protests. It's it's going on week four. And I thought, do we really want to be talking about something that's really negative and depressing with kind of like a white savior figure and black people being described as the ones that, you know, rip out people's jugulars with their teeth? <laughs> I think my counter argument was it's not really whitewashing given that they turned the main character into a person of color, which, and it was a one for one swap, right? That's true. Yeah. I was going to say, I don't think I agree with you on who the savior figure is. Then I'm all for this forced evolution of mankind. That's an interesting point. Um, Yeah. Uh, I I mean, mean, that jumps right to the end of 
of the movie. I don't remember if it's in the, in the book where Melanie says to Caldwell, why should we die for you when you could die for us? Well, just to know that there won't ever be any peace between the two mm-hmm. new species. Right. And so she's yeah. going to fix that. Yeah. I, I don't think she makes that confrontation though in the book is what Seth is saying. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. There's some, some differences the, there. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, this will be a little bit of a, what would you say, atypical episode because we have a story that's essentially the first two chapters of the book. There's some differences and we can mm-hmm. talk about what those are. And then we have a movie and a screenplay that are adapted at the same time from the same material. Mm-hmm. So there's not a ton of things to talk about eight o'clock in the morning or anything like that. Um, apart from things like casting choices, right? So well, I, I said we just use Miss Mailer in the short story. Yes. But <laughs> yeah. I, I thought that was interesting because when I was reading it, it said Miss Mailer and I thought, oh, okay, that's Miss Justino. But then Miss Justino is actually mentioned in the short right. story. Yeah. I guess he must have liked the name better. Yeah, maybe, mm. I guess. Well, it might work yeah. better for moving to England, I suppose. It's all French. Right. That's the, that's the other interesting thing. I think I think Mike Carey is English, is he not? He is. Yeah. Huh. And so, but, but he set the original story in like Kansas City. Right. Yeah. Totally so, Midwest. And- well, you know, all zombie outbreaks happen in the U.S., right? Right, naturally. <laughs> Except for 28 days later. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Maybe the British are just better about making alternate zombie movies than we are in the States. Hmm. 28 days Could later, be. the girl with all the gifts. Yeah, but we got The Walking Dead. Yeah, we got The, the Night of the Living Dead. Or in this the case, The Strolling the, Dead. Those are classics, though. I mean, those are classic yeah. zombie. True. Are you saying you don't like World War Z? <laughs> World War Z's take on it was, I think, more due how, to how the material was presented rather than the nature of the zombies. Mm. Is it, yeah, see, the nature of the zombies is my biggest problem with World War Z. But we're not talking about World War Z. Um, we, can do, we can do that at some point later. Yes. <laughs> Yet, yes. <laughs> uh, I don't think it's on Netflix. But if it is, you know, hey, I'd reread that. I keep getting lost. We're, we're on little rabbit trails. And I think sure. we should just rabbit trail the rest of the movie. Or the rest of the uh, the episode. Well, let's let's do a little overview. Okay. The short story is really just the introductory chapters to the book yes. and the movie. Mm-hmm. And so you get introduced to Melanie, and you learn that she's very smart, uh, and she's right. in a classroom that's unlike any kind mm-hmm. of classroom that we would know growing up, mm-hmm. uh, where all the students are put in wheelchairs with bindings on their hands and feet and heads and jaws. <laughs> well, neck in the book, right? Neck. <laughs> Yep. <laughs> okay. I got to bust in right here because it reminds me of in, what was it? Seventh or eighth grade. I can't remember which it was. Social studies class with Mrs. Dushuski, which uh, <laughs> my friend Mark called Mrs. Dumbshitsky. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Brutal. <laughs> I believed it. Sorry, Aaron. Uh, but it was Mark. You, you, you understand. We had a kid in the class who was one of the smoker kids. We called him stoners. And he was, you know, a jackass and a disruption. And he was constantly, you know, interrupting class. And he sat in the front row of the class. So everybody else in the class could see him. And so Mrs. Dushuski at some point taped him to his desk with masking tape. Not so, so you know, not strong tape, but she, she told him if this tape breaks before the end of the period, you're doing detention. Wow. <laughs> so I'm just telling you. Any kids who are listening to this, school's different now than, than when we were kids. Dang. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you can say that again. Yeah. That's awesome. So, I don't remember what happened. I should I should ask my friend Jason that I'm friends with on Facebook because he was in that class. <laughs> yeah. Oh, sorry. Okay. Kids strapped into chairs. Right. Right. Uh, and then it's it's been a while since I've read the short story. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
I can't remember if Dr. Caldwell takes her to the lab and they escape and then jump in a helicopter. Does that sound right? I can't remember if it's a helicopter or if it's a truck. But It's a helicopter, but she wasn't taken to the lab in the short story. They, were, they started evacuating the kids uh, via helicopter along with all the personnel when the Junkers and I think it was when the Junkers attacked in the short story too. Yeah, mm-hmm. it was Junkers in the short story as well. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so another thing that... Well, Colin, did you want to continue with the, the background? Overview. Oh, well, there you go. Yeah, Overview. At, at some point, we're made aware that the kids are different, radically yes. different, mm-hmm. dangerously different. Um, and as they're getting ready to leave, the sergeant character is going to jump out and protect the helicopter so it can take off. Mm-hmm. And Melanie goes with him. Mm-hmm. And that's that's the end of the story. Yeah. Well, and he, he kind of acknowledges that they're on the same side at the mm-hmm. end there. Right. Right. Where he's like, let's, you know. Let's make this memorable. (laughs) So to go from calling the monsters and abortions and beating up little kids and treating them bad to needing her assistance in order to save everyone else. Yeah. And that she's willing to give it. Yeah. So I will say, if you want a more uplifting story uh, for for this time, you might want to read the short story and then quit. Just (laughs) and and be be done. Because it it definitely ends on more than an up than the book does or the movie. Mm -hmm. It depends on your perspective. But sure. Right. Depends on who you're rooting for. <laughs> James, exactly. the famous misanthrope, is not, not rooting for human humanity. Yes. James is on Team Fungus. Yes. It's foo-manity. <laughs> fungus humanity. <laughs> right. James is a real fun guy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I like how that, that story arc actually follows, though, through for each adaptation at that point. I didn't really think about that until now. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Um, so one of the things that I feel like, I mean, it's typical for book to movie adaptations, right? You lose some character development. You you lose some gradual qualities to things. Um, unless it's like Blade Runner 2049, then everything's gradual. Um, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I like that movie, but, but it could have been faster. Um, but uh, so here in the book, you get... Melanie getting used to the smell of Miss Justineau, right? And she loves Miss Justineau. And that's that's true in the book and the movie and the and the short story. Mm-hmm. But in the book, yeah. she definitely Ms. gets Mailer time to Yeah. She she gets time <laughs> to understand, okay, here's my trigger point, right? And and it begins to move. It's like like she becomes desensitized and and able to able to adapt. Able to adapt and and kind of rewire her brain to overcome the the hungry impulse. Right. Mm-hmm. right. You are my bread part. Um, and that's the kind of thing that it's pretty tough to portray in a movie. You, you do see it. I feel like you see it that time when, um, when she touches Melanie, you can see that Melanie can smell her and she likes it. Right. And, and she loves being touched by Miss Justin. It's like being touched by a deity. Well, who wouldn't? Well, <laughs> in both the book and the movie, she's a very attractive lady. Well, and the kids were starved for physical attention just by the nature of their being. Mm-hmm. Right. Although in the movie, I didn't get the sense that she was reacting to the touch, aside from knowing that she was being touched by someone that she loved. Yeah, that was the impression I got. And the the book includes a separate thing where uh, Miss Justino gives her a book, and the book smells like her. And so that, that gives her the time to to sit with that and to be able to recognize that, that Miss Justino's smell is something that is dangerous and could trigger her. And so that's why she warns her to, no, don't. Don't unhook me. Right. It's like in the fly, right? I'm saying I'll hurt you if you stay. 
Yeah. Although it was a pretty amazing scene when she did the like going zombie nuts. That was cool. Oh yeah. Full hunger. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So missing from the movie are the junkers, or as I like to call them, the armed protesters in Michigan. <laughs> uh, because I feel like the the people pushing in on the fence are the same people refusing to wear masks right now. And getting political again. But wear you just a little mask. <laughs> right. I mean, I understand it's difficult for people with glasses. Elaine hates wearing them because it fogs up her glasses. Uh-huh. James is probably the same way, but he never leaves the house. I just don't go out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's bad. I've been like that for, you know, 40 years now. So. <laughs> <laughs> so a couple other things from the movie, at least from my point of my, my perspective, uh, and it has to do with point of view. The book mm-hmm. is multiple point of view. Yes. You get Melanie's point of view, Sergeant's point of view, Caldwell's, Justin knows, uh, the kid. Gallagher. Gallagher. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, the movie is pretty much exclusively from Melanie's point of view. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So and that was deliberate. To, yeah. So you don't get to spend as much time in other people's heads. Mm-hmm. I, think, I think the book does a better job of portraying just how alien and different Melanie is because it's, it's a book and you have the chance to talk about. Yeah. Well, they're eating grubs, not because they're being difficult and horrible to the, stu- to the students, the kids, but their bodies truly don't need anything else. Right. And there's the description about how pale her skin is and how she doesn't breathe very often and how she doesn't, her heart beats like 16 times a minute and mm-hmm. uh, all those are lost in the movie. Yeah. Well, it's an interesting take on the whole zombie thing. Cause usually most zombie outbreaks uh, posit that whatever zombie pathogen it is just animates enough of the brain to get them ambulatory and, and to get them to be able to, to have a bite reflex to pass on the pathogen. Yeah, now spread. the walking dead adds the additional, everybody has it. So there's no point in the bites <laughs> because they don't need to spread it that way. So I don't understand that, but you know, who cares? Um, right. But like in world war Z, that's what it is, right? It's, it's passed through a bite. Therefore that bite reflex makes sense where this is based on a real life thing. The cordycepsis or whatever is off cordyceps. Yes. Um, that causes ants to climb up to a, a place and then they essentially like a weed grows out the top of their head that then gets eaten mm-hmm. and starts the cycle again. And there's some pretty cool, uh, Oh no, the weed doesn't grow out of the head. Their head explodes and the fungus captures the wind and spreads for miles on end. Hmm. Okay. There may be more well, than one thing like this. Cause I, I know yeah. I've seen one that it just sprouts like a, like a plant out of the head. Oh, okay. The one, the yeah. one I saw with the ants, I actually, I saw that episode of, I, it was like Planet Earth. One of the one was that David Attenborough narrates, actually. Yeah. So I've seen the episode that they're talking about in the book. <laughs> mm, <that's laughs> and it was cool. creepy as hell. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah. But th- the fact here that these kids who are the second generation um, that are born with it, where the fact that their brains are entirely still usable, mm-hmm. even though the fungus is there, it's like it's 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 in... I'm, I'm trying to think it's like, it's like a, a demon running someplace, you know, on, on the side, a service that's running on the side that given the, the given the correct inter- interrupt takes everything over. It's a parasite. It's, it's a yeah. semi beneficial symbiosis. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. So that's, yeah, they get super speed and super safe. They're superheroes, just really hungry superheroes. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it made me think though, and this is something I think I mentioned it to Colin. Um, it made me think that, the fact that, you know, these, these little, little kids, when they're not smelling anything, right, they're essentially functionally little kids, right? And they only, if they get 
triggered over in the right way, then they turn into hungries. It made me wonder if the all the other zombies, the adult zombies who are taken over by it, are essentially locked in. If they're still conscious, but they have absolutely no control, no autonomy, which would be even more horrifying. In the Ooh. book, there's the old man they come across with the book full of pictures mm. who has been tied into a bed and he started to eat himself to stay right. alive. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Um, it, Caldwell studies him because it's the first time she's come across an adult hungry who right. has some level of consciousness. Right. And it, 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 I think it begins to break down her concept of exactly what this fungus does. That right. it's not as absolute as she had been thinking, that there might actually be some humanity left in the people who are infected. Yeah. Yeah, because bef- prior to that, you have, and you get a lot more detail on this in the book than in the movie. Y- you see the part where she removes a kid's brain and has it in a jar, and the body yep. is still moving and apparently autonomous, which is right. crazy. Well, and it, it kind of explains her detachment from the subjects. Right. Because she's seen that multiple times, whereas the teachers that deal with the students haven't. Right. Mm. Yeah. It's good science fiction. It is good science fiction. Yeah. Well, I, so I <laughs> guess what, I guess we didn't talk about, um, do we want to talk about, you know, our opinions of the, the three media that we consumed or do we want to just yeah, sure. save that for summing up? Let's do that. Sum up, do the summary. Is that what you're saying? When we get there. Yeah. Well, we'll, we'll do that okay. then. All right. One thing that I enjoyed about the book is that you kind of, it really, it's very focused, right? About what's going on at this one school slash lab, right? And you kind of wonder, well, why are they experimenting on kids? You know, what's, what's the situation in the world outside? And you just, you finally get a glimpse out there and you realize, ooh, the world is pretty screwed. And, you know, Caldwell is kind of making a last ditch effort to come up with something to defeat this fungus, right? They call it a vaccine. I think that's just a, a handy word that people understand. Oh, this is something that prevents something. Right. Even though I'm, I'm sure for a fungus, it's not really a... I, I, though I guess if it's something that could create an antibody to the fungus, then that's still a vaccine, right? Given how fast people turn when they're bitten, it mm-hmm. would be amazing to have a vaccine that was effective. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it's literally minutes. And a, uh, an immune response takes quite a bit longer. In mm. the human body. So they need a counter fungus. Ooh, you need yeah, something. You some some kind of magic mushroom. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, so one thing that we, we haven't talked about about the science fiction of this is that so there's this fungus that controls ants and other kinds of insects, and it's it's adapted to now infect humans. Mm-hmm. And it has two means of propagation. The primary means of propagation is is through a bite. Uh, blood, mm-hmm. you know, saliva, transmission from an infected person to a non-infected person. Right. The, but the fungus itself has fruiting bodies that spread spores. Mm. Uh, those, though, needs, need some outside environmental trigger to activate. Yeah. Yeah. Well, even before that, they take forever to gain maturity, right? Oh, years. Yeah. yeah that, that was the other part of that. Their maturation cycle was super long. <laughs> yeah, because I think we're given to understand that it's something like 30 years since everything broke down. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I should mention, I'm actually uh, reading The Boy on the Bridge, which is a prequel to The Girl with All the Gifts, set in the same universe. And it tells the story about um, the mobile lab that they find. Uh, the other one? Charlie or whatever? Uh, Rosie, I think. Oh, so it talks about oh, – okay. Charlie was the other one. Though. I was just yeah. Char- Charlie was the one they didn't find. Yeah. So do you guys right. feel like the movie had a setup that would allow that to happen? Allow what to happen? 
I was looking for something very particular when they showed us the lab. Mm-hmm. I don't remember there being any wheels. It looks like a building. Hmm. I don't know. I mean, the Caldwell, Glenn Close, did mention that it was a mobile laboratory. Yeah. It, I don't know. I'm kind of with Colin, I guess. It, did kind of, it looked like a trailer to me, actually. Hmm. More than a, more than a but movable... The- yeah, yeah. Like a but in the book, there's, there there's the long part where Sergeant is attempting to fix the generator, right? Where yeah. in this one, he's it looks like he's just trying to start a car. Right. Yeah, no, that's, that's true. true. So no, that's I'm, I'm pretty sure right. it's on, I think it was supposed to be on tracks, right? Not wheels. Yeah. Yeah. And it was supposed to have flamethrowers. And that that's actually kind of important. <laughs> that would have been cool. <laughs> yeah. Colin missed the flamethrowers. Colin wants bigger guns. Yes. Welcome Colin wants big show. boom. <laughs> yes. Bonk, bonk. Yeah. So as the, as the story begins to wind down, uh, Caldwell and Sergeant and Melanie and uh, Miss Justineau make it through London. They find this mobile lab mm-hmm. and it gives them hope that they might be able to do uh, to find a cure for the disease finally because the, the lab is fully outfitted with everything that Dr. Caldwell needs if right. she can kill Melanie. Well, right. it gives, gives Caldwell hope for that. Gives right. the others hope for a quicker transport to Beacon. <laughs> right. Right. Um, uh, but, but Caldwell is dying, and so there isn't a lot of time for her to do all of her research. Mm-hmm. And she ends up trying to capture Melanie, and Melanie breaks free yeah, uh, for various reasons, depending on what you read or what you watch. Uh, and then we get this long explanation about what's going on and why it's going to work and the fruiting bodies and what needs to happen. And in the movie, Dr. Caldwell says it, it was either triggered by fire or water. Right. And I remember Seth saying, because in London, it never <laughs> rains. Right. And so I'm saying, you're going like, so do they really believe that those have been sitting there for 30 years and never have been triggered? Right. Um, and the other thing was in, in the book, it describes this huge f- fungal wall that extends right. for miles. And mm-hmm. it's caused by millions of people dying in this these fungal shoots coming out of their heads and forming this big interwoven thing of strands and pods and stuff. And right. And the equivalent to that in the movie is, is, you know, somebody, somebody who knows the landscape of uh, London might know what that tower was, but I called it the beanstalk. (laughs) (laughs) I I tucked into the thing. This is a weird take on Jack and the beanstalk. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I was wondering if it was the BBC tower, but I couldn't really tell. (laughs) It was the BT tower. Was it? Oh, okay. Oh, you looked it up. Yeah, it's in Wikipedia. Oh, cool. There you go. One yeah. of the other things I, I found on uh, Wikipedia is all the aerial shots of post-apocalyptic London are actually in Pripyat in the UK, er, in uh, not UK, in Ukraine, oh, which wow. was the, really? you know, the abandoned city from Chernobyl. <laughs> oh. Oh, yeah. that's funny. That's cool. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's very overgrown. Because I was wondering, like, how, how much visual effects did they use here? Because I, I think it was a pretty right. modest, modest budget for the movie. Oh, yeah. Only $5 million. Mm-hmm. Only. <laughs> yeah. Only. <laughs> yeah. Well, it turns out it was half sponsored by the British government. Mm-hmm. And at $2.5 million, it yeah, was the largest was sponsorship they were ever given. Yeah. You want to know how much money it made? Yes. From, from what I've seen, it was, it was about the same, if not it slightly was about less. That. So, yeah, yeah. So the, the government might have gotten their money back, but it lost two point five million dollars. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you know they they wanted to make some art, and and it's okay that they right. did. Yeah, I mean uh, it's like eighty percent fresh at Rotten Tomatoes, mm-hmm. and like sixty six percent audience popularity. Mm-hmm. 
but yeah, that's what happened that's and cool. it just ended. Yeah. So, I mean, let's talk about the ending because for me, it was, it was one of the highlights of the book, the zombie victory ending. Okay. Oh, yeah. Talk about yeah. it. I feel, I feel like zombie literature is too optimistic a lot of times <laughs> because I don't feel like, especially in this case where the zombies are fast, uh-huh. there is no coming back from that. It's just, it's not possible. But did the zombies really win? It wasn't the zombies that won. It was the children that won. And they're not zombies. Ah, but did the children win? Well, so so essentially what was going to happen was at the at the end, anyone left alive and unaffected, mm-hmm. uninfected, um, was going to catch it a la Day of the Triffids because it was going to be, you know, right. spread all over the world. Yep, that's right. And so then you'd have you'd have a whole generation of those that you know, went a bad way. But any pregnant people, any, any pregnant ladies would give birth to the second generation and the second generation could rebuild a new society. If. In right. theory. If. If. Yeah. There's a whole bunch of ifs. Let me, let me list them for you. <laughs> okay. One, if, you know, if they can develop a culture in a 30 year lifespan, because there's no guarantee that they're not going to sprout fungal bodies out of the top of their heads and die. Good point. So that that's number one. Mm-hmm. Number two is to the best of our knowledge, there were, there's Melanie and there's Miss Justino, who are the only sentient humans left on the planet. <laughs> because if you, take, if you take a whole bunch of kids and you have them grow up on their own, they don't develop culture and language and science. Right. Well, right? now you have to they, define they sentient. Up, <laughs> yeah, I mean, they, they pick up <laughs> baseball bats and tempt people with rats. That's what they do to live. Right. Right? Yeah, but they're still uh, sentient, aren't they? They're intelligent in some form. Yeah, sentient just means not, able to sense, right? But, yeah, they're, they're not incapable of rebuilding society and culture. Well, but in, they in theory, need, they humans need spark, started out right? that some way, this, right? This, this is another thing when. that need, needed uh, a catalyst, right? It needs yeah, Miss Justino sure. in her eternal cage now. Where, right. where you know, essentially, it's it's a perfect reversal of the beginning of the book, where you have the uninfected person in a cage. Mm-hmm. Although she's not being taught, she's still teaching. So not a perfect reversal. But yeah. it's a role reversal. So and so the third thing you need is she has to stand around in her isolated life because she's the only human that we know of that's still alive. And she's either stuck in a hazmat suit or inside mm-hmm. the lab while everyone else is roaming around outside. So if enough people gang up and kill Melanie, they just go back to their feral existence. Right. Yeah, that's kind of how I feel now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And then it's possible that something could rise from those ashes, assuming that there wasn't the the thirty year thing. And it is it, it's possible. I think, and I don't know. I guess I took this from the book that that what happened with the children was uh, unique compared to the other, uh, you know, the adult onset case. Mm-hmm. Where mm-hmm. the the way I see that is the fungus got them, used them up, and when they were useless, when they were when they were no longer good for anything, then they sprouted. Where the kids with their brains still able to be active would be useful for longer. So they, they might only sprout when they died from other causes. But I don't know. Uh, hmm. yeah. I kind of got could, the impression that they wouldn't sprout, but that's mm-hmm. fair enough. Yeah. Hmm. So you're saying that the, the zombie victory here is a short-lived one even for the, the kids? <laughs> oh, there's no guarantee of victory. I mean, it, it's Pyrrhic at best. Right. Hmm. Pyrrhic victory. I like it. Yeah. Another Greek reference. Yes. <laughs> Victory for various definitions of victory. Right. <laughs> yeah. Victory so in, that, in, that, in that all of your enemies are dead. Right. Yeah, but at, at what cost? Yeah. Right. Hmm. 
All right, way to bring it down, Colin. <laughs> well, it's it's not uplifting. It's not positive. It's not. I don't know. I I, I, I can. I was uplifting going was... into this with the zombie victory. Now you depressed me. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's the Scotch James. <laughs> hey, there we go. I don't know. I I still feel like there was a, a ray of hope there that that your your questions you know that that would have to mm-hmm. be answered. We we could ask Mike Carey and and see what he says right. about it, but. You know, I was I was figuring there's something going. There's a new strain of humanity formed by the second generation people that's going right. going to essentially uh, become educated and expand and kind of take back over the world. But I'm still sticking with that. Well, here's <laughs> the next thing: you don't even know if they're fertile. That's true. You'd have to have a yeah, serious breeding fair. program. Yeah, or there's if they no can reason breed. to think. Well, yeah, I, I would say there's no reason to think that they wouldn't be, but we know from the book, right, that the um, the fungus will cannibalize from the inside a body, right? If it doesn't receive enough nutrients otherwise. So what are well, these that, kids? That was survive? in the adults though, right? So in the, in the kids, say that's where I, that's where I think, uh, well, f- so this is my basis for thinking where the hope might exist mm-hmm. is that in the, in the kids, there's a symbiotic relationship. The, the fungus resides with, inside their brain um, in symbiosis with the dendrites of the nervous system and the, the brain structure. Mm-hmm. They're, they haven't taken neither of them, neither the brain or the uh, fungus have really taken over um, until they get hungry, I suppose. But name one person that doesn't suffer from a hanger. <laughs> 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 right. I mean, so if, if Melanie is well fed, she's amenable around people, right? She doesn't right. go crazy until she gets hungry. And then, then, then she gets angry or, you know, she needs to eat. Well, right. I could tell heck and tell you several people that go through that cycle every day. <laughs> right. <laughs> and I don't think they're zombies, but now I'm now that you hmm? think about it. <laughs> Are you saying that Emily wants to bite your head off? <laughs> Maybe. If they're, if they're eating cats out on the front stoop, then that you know, that'd be a dead giveaway. Yeah. Oh. But you but you don't mind, Seth. No, no, I don't. Um, and, and and I thought she was treating a dog better than, than the cat, but right. um she was not. Right. <laughs> It was just opportunistic. Yeah. So, I th- yeah. so I think you know, in in my opinion, if they're if they really is living, if they really are living in symbiosis with the human and the and the the fungi. There's no reason to think that there wouldn't that the fungus wouldn't allow for the procreation of the uh, human race. I guess their host, right? Right. So they've they've they turned the human on. race into Duracell batteries. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> with a form of cold fusion. Yes. You know, so it's like no different than like say gut bacteria, right? Without that, hmm. we'd be screwed. But without us, the gut bacteria would be screwed. True. Yeah. That was my take, my perspective. Yeah. So a new hope. <laughs> 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 so the sequel to it will be uh, The Fungus Strikes Back? <laughs> well, no, the sequel would have to be The Human Strike Back, because they're the evil Right, ones, and then right? it would be The Return of the Fungi. <laughs> the Return of the right. Fungi. <laughs> Ooh, I never know if it's like fungi or fungi or fungi or fungi or I don't know. I don't know. I like being a fun guy. Yeah. <laughs> Anything else we want to talk about about this one? There was something about the movie that I thought it did very well. It's very small, but it did mm-hmm. very well. Uh, when I read the book, uh, I was left wondering, you know, at what point do the babies become hungries? Mm. Right? Uh, the movie yeah. made it very explicit at what point they became hungries. Right. And it right. also goes to the bias that the, uh, the soldiers and Dr. Caldwell had against them. As beings. Right. That they ate their way out of their mothers. Right. Oh, Who were right. presumably zombi- zombies then. Right. Well, yeah, but they still so had nice 
It's like a, organs. you know, birds or turtles hatching. They kind of eat their way out of the shell. Yeah. Well, except that the shell ends the life of the mother who's supposed to then raise a baby. Yeah, right. but they're kind of a useless shell at that point anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, the zombie the zombie's not gonna raise a, a baby. <laughs> Although right. I guess you know it'll raise a couple of rats though, so <laughs> Well, if they're supposed to be intelligent zombies, if you procreate I mean, there there can't be any increase in the species that way. It's always gonna be one for one. Right. There could be triplets. Yeah. <laughs> Two for one. That that did make me kinda of wonder like how many children would you actually get out of all this? Because so based on the premise they supposed in the book and the movie that you only the people that were pregnant at the time of the fungi spread would create this second generation. Right. Right. Yeah. You, you had to be yeah. pregnant before you were infected. Right. So th- that part did kind of have me questioning like exactly how many of these children are there out there. Wow. Yeah. And I, I was wondering, wait, babies aren't born with a lot of teeth. Touche. So did they gum <laughs> their way out? <laughs> that, that's you've ever yeah. heard. Gummy babies cut with a blunt spoon, <laughs> right? <laughs> it just hurts more. <laughs> exactly, Robin Hood reference. Um, okay, so highlight for me of the movie: I really enjoyed the score. It was extremely unnerving and annoying, <laughs> but I really liked it. Is that Colin's low light? <laughs> you can say yes, Colin. I yeah, did not like the music. <laughs> <laughs> I think they would have done a lot better going with a classical instrumental theme rather than distorted mm. human voices and electronic sounds. Mm. Yeah. yeah. I dug it. I like that it went for something, even even if it uh, doesn't hit for everybody. What about you, James? Did you like the score? It was eerie, but at certain points I was like, wow, Empire of the Ants much? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. Some, you said Empire of the Ants, and I thought Lord of the Flies, and I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> there is a portion of the movie where we've entered yeah. the Lord of the Flies portion of the movie. My highlight was the uh, mad headshots in the forest. Oh, yeah. that was a pretty Parks good action was, scene, actually. That was badass. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I will say, I mean, and I feel like this the film was pretty well directed. Um, I guess this is where we move into summing up, right? I thought yeah. the short story was a lot of fun, um, I, and, you know. It had a more uplifting ending than the than the book did, but like I said, I really really enjoyed the book, and uh, you know I thought I thought it was a good movie as well. So I three for three for me. I will say, reading the book right after reading the short story was a little little rough because it, it was basically the exact same thing in the first two yeah. chapters. I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah. okay, I read this part already. I read this part already. <laughs> ah, can we get past this already? But I didn't want to like skip ahead because I wanted to you know see if they actually if anything changed. Much. Yeah, there's just a couple things. And besides the setting, not really. <laughs> no, no. Yeah. I did have to go back and be like, wait, Miss Mailer, Miss Justin, okay, okay, just make sure I got that right. Yes. Good morning, Miss Justin. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, re- yeah, so my, I guess reading the short story and the, I wouldn't recommend reading those back to back, I guess. Short story and the yep. book. Mm-hmm. A little time or just read the book. <laughs> yeah. Well, I feel like you could, you could tell people read the short story and watch the movie. And then if you want more detail, you can go back and read the book and there's a lot more in there. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. I guess. Yeah. As long as you're okay with the, with the downer ending. Recommended consumption (laughs) order. Yeah. Well, it's like we've been saying, right? The science fiction premises are incredible. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Really, really interesting. Um, The story is just awful. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you mean, you mean horrifying, right? It's, I mean, I feel like the story is well-written, well-realized, Oh, um, you know, characters are well-drawn, all that kind of stuff. So it's not a terrible book. Oh, yeah. yeah, Right, I mean, it's not a low-quality book. It's (laughs) the story of what's told. If you read the autobiography of a serial killer, 
Oh, okay. Yeah. That's right? Fair. right. So yeah, it might be really, really well written, but mm-hmm. the content of what you're reading. Sure. Yeah. No, yeah, I, I agree. It was a cool extrapolation of a natural, already naturally occurring uh, phenomena, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Because I think I was telling you about this, Colin, when we were talking a while ago. Uh, there's other organisms that do similar things um, that are not, not necessarily fungi. Um, there's yeah, like, there's there's one that affects rodents, I remember. Yeah, there's parasites that live in uh, rats, and mm-hmm. they... They'll corrupt them and make them attracted to cats. <laughs> well, specifically oh. cat urine. Yeah. And so oh, then, yeah. Right? And the, it's interesting because it'll actually live through the digestive tract of the cat. And so it's actually from there, it gets into the feces, and it can be problematic for uh, anything that comes into contact with said feces, like right. cat owners. Like cat ladies. Yeah. Particularly pregnant cat ladies. Right. Yeah. Yep. I, as I've said, you know, ownership of more than one cat is sign of mental illness. But <laughs> now you, you more had, than one you or know, any. <laughs> Colin has a family of four with two cats. That's you know, that's that's one cat per two people. That you know, you're probably okay. Well, but if, I, if you find yourself accumulating of, more cats, then. I have a family of two with with two large financial drains. <laughs> <laughs> you have but it, financial sh- drain Cusky the first, financial drain Cusky the second. Those are their names. That's right. <laughs> we call them FD1 and FD2 for short. <laughs> nice. Right. Uh, do we need to rank them? Yeah, because that's what we do. Okay. All right. Are you ready? I am. Okay. Go for it. Uh, short story, book movie okay what about you james yeah i'm trying to decide between the short story and the book i don't know i don't really know if i have a clear advantage of one or the other i guess um mm-hmm. can i put those both as the same thing and then the movie <laughs> you can do whatever you want <laughs> <laughs> i'll do that okay i'll put the book and the short story side by side because they're almost essentially the same thing and then uh, okay the movie okay colin, colin might disagree with me on that one i guess yeah. i'm gonna go Book, movie, short story, just because I like the expanded story in both the book and the movie. So I feel like you can have a good time reading any of them I, for yeah, certain definitions of so. or reading or consuming uh, for certain <laughs> definitions of good time. If you like a good read that may not be the most uplifting story, may be terribly depressing and exactly not the kind of thing that we re- need right now. <laughs> it's probably no coincidence that right after finishing that book, I read the book of three which is a like a comfort read for me. Oh, yes. Yeah. So, Okay, we're back from a bit of a ramble that only the patrons are going to hear. <laughs> and and we're, we've been on our way out the door for like 15 minutes. Um, so yeah. we will actually go out the door. Uh, we will let you know what we're doing next. Uh, if it's the kind of thing that can be on a Netflix watch party, uh, you know, drop us a line uh, and we'll uh, see if we can get you in on that. We may not be doing a Netflix watch party for this next month, but we will at some point. We've got some requests from Michael, one of our patrons. So we're going to see if we can make that happen while we're still on remote protocol. Uh, if we can't, then uh, you know we'll kick it down the road a couple months. Um, we love you, Michael, but we can't necessarily get right to him. So. <laughs> right. Sign-off time? Sign-off time. Okay. All right. Well, thanks, everybody, for listening. Uh, you can get a hold of us, feedback at pavementpodcast.com if you want to send me an all lives matter email that I will delete and report as spam and uh, call your <laughs> Senator. Um, <laughs> uh, no, you can get a hold of us there. You can tweet at us at pavement podcast. You can sign up to support us 
at patreon.com slash Hugo's podcast. And uh, we would welcome that support. That'd be awesome. And uh, until next time, we'll leave you with the standard pavement pounders blessing. May the road rise up to meet you and may the book always fall open to where you left off. He totally let you down. He, he, he never did bring that in during the episode. <laughs> I didn't know. Well, I you said no. I didn't really have an opportune time. I did say no. Yes. Late Anyhow, bye everybody. Time. <laughs>